Pucktown Podcast, Episode 9. Jared Schaffrin with you once again. Thanks a lot for tuning in. All the previous episodes, uh, we've been getting great feedback once again and enjoying doing this as the Stingrays continue on in their season into February now. And today, it is my pleasure to have the voice of the Hershey Bears on the Pucktown Podcast. It is one of my best friends in this business, Zach Fish. My predecessor here in South Carolina was with the Stingrays during the 2015-16 season for a really excellent year that the Stingrays had. Zach did an unbelievable job here. He was only had to be here one year as he got brought up to Hershey, and he's been with the Bears ever since, and it was great to speak to him, hear some stories about his time in Charleston, get an update on how the Bears have been doing. They are up at the top of the Atlantic Division with the Hartford Wolfpack competing for hopefully a great spot in the AHL Calder Cup playoffs this year. Kind of two weeks in a row where we can talk some AHL as I was had Ryan Wersofsky last week. So if you haven't listened to Coach Wersofsky, he was excellent and gracious with his time to join us during last week's podcast. But once again, great to talk with Zach Fish, a guy who knows the challenges of the ECHL, knows the affiliation in and out, and has just been so great to work with over the past couple of years of my time in Charleston. Zach said it during the interview, this is probably going to be the longest podcast we have so far here on the Pucktown Podcast, so don't want to take too much time on the intro and just get to the interview. Really some great things that Zach had to say about the organization, and I uh, was happy to have him once again here on this podcast. Joined this week on the Pucktown Podcast by the voice of the Hershey Bears, Zach Fish. And Zach, it's it's great to have you on. I'm glad we had a little time to connect. The Bears have been rolling as of late. It's pretty awesome to see you guys ascend up the standings. And we just had Ryan Wersofsky on last week. So we were talking about the division a little bit. And Charlotte has been better. Uh, and they've kind of climbed into the playoff race. But you guys in Hartford have, have kind of become a little bit of a, a two-man race for the top of the uh, Atlantic Division standings there. Yeah, the Bears have been impressive this year. It's been a fun year in Chocolate Town. And, and great to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed my brief time in Charleston. And I'm sure we'll chat about it a little bit more, but we're really proud to be affiliated with the Stingrays. It's a great partnership and seeing guys that I was down there with come up and grow and develop and guys that have been stars in Charleston is something really special. And they've been a part of the group this year that's helped us get to the tide for the top of the division. The Atlantic division is not necessarily have a runaway team this year, the division that the bears play in. There's no one that is dominated. Hartford has been pretty good all season long. The affiliate of the New York Rangers have uh, been real solid from top to bottom at the beginning of the year, but Bears are neck and neck with them right now. No one seems to gain any traction to pull ahead of one of the two. When they falter, we falter. When we win, they win. Um, so they have a couple games in hand that they'll play this week that hopefully will get everybody up to speed and see where we're at. But it's a good group here in Hershey this year. Obviously, former Stingrays coach Spencer Carberry does an exceptional job getting the best out of these players. And it was set up last year with a poor start where Carberry got the most out of his team, went on a great run in the second half. And now this year, those guys are a year wiser. And the free agents they brought in, like a Matt Molson, who's 650 games in the NHL, a three-time 30-goal scorer, have really added to the fold and helped out two great goaltenders, two Stingrays alum and Vitek Vanacek and Phoenix Copley uh, to shut the door. It's an all-around fun team that isn't going to blow you away offensively, but has a real good structure and system, uh, and they win games because of their work ethic and their ability to play within that structure. Give us a sense of what it's like 
having Matt Molson in the locker room. That that must be pretty cool. Uh, not often do you see veterans with that much experience at the highest level take that type of a role on your team. Give us a sense of what it's like for him uh, having him in the room every day. Yeah, Molson is a guy that has been incredible. And you ask any of the young players on our team and guys that are just coming out of major juniors, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old uh, for some of these younger kids and Man, do they look up to him, a guy that's been there at the pinnacle of his game, made a lot of money to play in the NHL, got the big contracts, played on lines with guys like John Tavares. Uh, they look up to him and they respect him. And when he speaks, everybody listens. He's part of our leadership group. Uh, and his time here, Spencer Carberry is not named a captain in his two years. It's always been a bunch of guys wearing A's and, and Molson's a big part of that. I mean, I don't want to say that he could easily have the C because I'm not in the room every day, but from what I see and what I talk to the guys about, they look up to him and know he's a leader. And at this point of his career, um, does he have the skating ability uh, to play in the NHL at this point? No, he slowed down. He was coming off a big contract that got him sent to the American league. He knows his limitations where he's at, but he loves this game. He wanted to play his 1,000th professional game. He accomplished that two weeks ago uh, in January in Springfield. But most of all, he wants to win a championship, something he had not been able to do yet in his career. Uh, so he felt like this was the best place to go. But anytime you have a guy like that in a room, it just adds to it. A guy that's been there, done that, can grab someone you know, by the scruff and go, hey, kid, this is what you need to do. I look at my time in Charleston, and it's a very different scenario. You know, Matt Molson, 650 games, 30-time goal scorer. Trevor Gillies didn't play that many games in the NHL, but he was there with me in South Carolina. It was his first year, and I know he went on to play more with the Stingrays, but he had played in the NHL. We had a lot of young guys that had not, and just the fact that he was an ECHL almost lifer for a while, then moved up to the American League, then moved up to the NHL. Guys looked up to him then, even though he wasn't the type of player that they were, and listened when he spoke. Molson on a very, very different level as a guy who's been in the NHL and made the big bucks and was an NHL mainstay. Same type of effect, though. Guys listen. So at the next level of hockey, the player is going to be that much more experienced and that much more of a star player than you might have in South Carolina. Uh, but at the same time, that pedigree in the locker room is there. That's huge, yeah, of course. And uh, you, this year, you guys getting a little bit to, to know Spencer more. You knew him a little bit from, from South Carolina, so when he came to Hershey, you already had that familiarity. I'm sure that was pretty cool uh, for you guys to reunite, but for everybody else in Hershey that, that didn't know Carbs at all, what's it been like now really acclimating to, to what he expects, and obviously it, it's showing on the ice where guys are improving and he's really developing a lot of good players here. Yeah, as Stingrays fans know, Spencer Carberry can get the best out of his players and it took a while in his first season to get the best out of his players and that's nothing against him it just we had a lot of young guys and a lot of new faces and we were playing some good clubs in the first half of the year we were in games but we were losing games and it turned in january and we had an unbelievable run but the way that spencer conducts himself in interviews he hates losing you can tell it he's been like that since charleston he's always very cordial uh, and works great with the media and i knew that as a pr guy working with him in charleston but i know he hates losing I know he's very competitive, uh, you know, in three on three battles with the team after practice, he's extremely competitive. He's extremely competitive as a coach. Uh, so everyone, I think really respected that quickly, but seeing the team turn and seeing them kind of start to embrace his systems and develop, uh, that really got a lot of the fan base behind him. Carbs is a close to the best guy as far as, uh, you know, maybe getting things out of him 
compared to other coaches that I've worked with as far as if you you or I as broadcasters off the record went in and wanted to pick his brain on who's playing well and who's not, you're probably not going to get that unless you're a little tight member of his coaching staff circle. And that's fine. Other coaches you know, aren't afraid to say that type of stuff, but that's how Carbs operates. He's very close to the best type of guy. Um, I think it has really benefited him getting to flourish in coaching because in the ECHL, you know, as great of a coach as you are, you have to work with the Rob Kincaid in South Carolina and the Capitol staff on getting players. And as you know, in the ECHL, you can be showing up to the rink in the morning and two guys can say, Hey, I'm going to Europe. Uh, and another guy gets called up and suddenly you're, you're short and you got to find guys for that night. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He's just coaching and developing the guys that are there. And not that he wasn't good at the GM side. He was great at the GM side. He made some exceptional moves in my one year in South Carolina, along with Rob Kincannon to bring guys in along with the Capitals. But you know, he wants to coach. He wants to coach in the NHL. He's not going to be able to make those personnel decisions in the NHL. And for him just to come in here and flourish coaching like he is, it's great. So Stingrays fans were blessed with him as a player that worked his tail off an assistant and now as a head coach and his work ethic is relentless. He's always thinking the game, always on to the next thing. And uh, we're, we're real lucky to have him here behind the bench. He's the guy that was here in South Carolina when you were here. And so was Vitek Vanacek. And uh, he's been another guy who's really blossomed. You've, you've been with him now for a long time. How have you seen him develop and grow as both a, a person and a hockey player over the last couple of years? And he seems like he might be having one of his best, best seasons for you guys. Yeah, I think he's on the cusp of being a National Hockey League goaltender, just waiting for the opportunity. He did get a three-year deal with the Capitals this summer. Uh, there's, of course, a lot that goes into it potentially with expansion draft and exposing guys in the expansion draft with that type of contract. But two of those years starting next season are one-way contracts. So uh, he's going to make $700,000 whether he plays in Hershey or Washington next year and the year after. So he's a millionaire, guaranteed. And that's how much faith that they put in him. And he's deserved it. And he's earned it. And he's one of the best goalies in the league and a two-time all-star and an all-star MVP in our league now with the with performance in Ontario. And you're right. I've been with him for five years now. I've seen him go from a kid in Charleston that had never been to the United States, didn't speak a lick of English except saying, hello, as our fans always would see, because that's all we could say. And uh, for a guy that just knew nothing and was very raw to being a very polished young man and goaltender. And it's really been cool to see him grow up and develop a relationship with him. He's got a big personality and it's come out as he's more and more comfortable in North America. And his game has really been refined. I remember his first game he played at the North Charleston Coliseum. We had our opening night played Reading um, in North Charleston and won two to one. Mark Dekanich was our goaltender that year. A veteran had played a game in the NHL, AHL all-star won us that game. And VTech started the next day, first pro start uh, Sunday uh, in October, so it wasn't the biggest crowd at the Coliseum compared to the night before. And I think we lost 6 nothing, um to Reading. And after the fourth or fifth goal, uh, there was a little kid. Uh, he was not a season ticket holder because I didn't see him ever again. Uh, but he knew enough about the team to stand up and scream behind me and where the broadcast booth is, go back to the Czech Republic after Vitup gave up the fourth or the fifth goal thinking, oh my God, this is an 18-year-old kid, first game, this didn't go well. He's got some little 12-year-old punk heckling me, heckling him from the upper level. Um, <laughs> but that was about the only poor game that I ever saw the kid play. I mean, he finished with a 203 goals against average in Charleston, split time with Dekanich, um, learned a lot from Mark Dekanich. That was a great move by the Capitals and Stingrays, putting Mark Dekanich there with him. He took him under his wing and helped him out a ton. And Vitek still speaks very fondly about his time in Charleston and being in that city 
and starting there. And we still have that relationship and share stories from that. So it's really cool to see him grow. Uh, he's taking a longer path than a Braden Holtby or, you know, you look at the other guys that were in Charleston for a little bit, Grubauer as well. Um, but he's on that type of path. And, you know, if Braden Holtby does not come back next year and there's certainly going to be tough for Washington to re-sign him uh, just with as much money as he's going to make, you know, Vanacek could have a real good possibility to go up, and that would be really cool to see another Stingrays alum make his debut in the NHL. And another one in this Caps Bear Stingrays affiliation goaltending pipeline has been really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many homegrown guys. You just named a few of them, but so many of these guys in the affiliation have played at all three levels, and I think that's obviously. You know, there's a lot of other things the Capitals have done to become a really good powerhouse team in the NHL. But one of those things is, has been really they've never had a drop off in goaltending, whether it's been Braden Holpe and obviously Ilya Samsonov has come in this year in his second season. He's been excellent uh, in his first time in the NHL. And it really seems like their goaltending has just been so good. And, you know, you, everyone talks about obviously Ovechkin and Backstrom and Oshie and all these different forwards or defensemen, John Carlson, but the goaltending has really, really been stable for the Caps throughout this this long run that they've had of, of really good success. Absolutely, and the guys that they've had, I mean, they, their depth's been really good, and the guys that they have elected to not keep, they've traded for assets that have helped them. You know, Varlamov did not play in South Carolina, but they traded him for a couple second-round picks that, that helped them out down the road to Colorado a few years ago, and then and Grubauer, they're able to get rid of Orpik's salary and bring him back on a different salary and make it work and, and make a run last year as well because of that trade and get an asset for him. So they've done a really good job managing it. They're in an interesting spot right now, I think, at the goaltending position because Holpe's contract is up, a lot of speculation there. They have Vanacek and Copley, two former Stingrays, both signed to deals for three years, two years after this year, um, that they're still going to be around. And, of course, Samsonov is young on an entry-level contract and not going anywhere. But outside that, they only have one other goaltender signed or not signed, even drafted uh, by the NHL club, uh, Mitchell Gibson, who's just in his first year in the college ranks and, and can't turn professional yet. So it'll be interesting to see if they draft maybe a goaltender this summer or look at free agents as well. You know, of course, Milner got to deal with them late last season um, just to be an extra goaltender to have around. You know, Logan Thompson, I know, is a guy that's been in some development camp, has played very well for the Stingrays and is on an AHL deal with the Bears. But uh, it's a little interesting spot where they, they'll have to almost replenish that position here in the near future to have that next guy in the pipeline. But the guys they have in the pipeline right now are pretty darn good. Yeah, I actually got to watch uh, Mitchell Gibson play on Monday. Uh, he played really well on his first Beanpot game, taking on uh, my Northeastern Huskies. Yeah, watching the Beanpot yeah. shock. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he looked, you know, I was I was watching with that eye towards, you know, is this a player that we might see find some time when he finishes college down in, in Charleston? And, I mean, he looked pretty good. He, he's, he's obviously pretty young, but he's big, and he moves really well in the crease. And um, he didn't get tested too much late in the game. Northeastern got the win, but Harvard dominated possession for most of the game. So I didn't get to see him do too much, but it was cool to at least uh, watch maybe a potential player who might be in the affiliation at some point uh, play play a little college hockey. Yeah, that's what's the exciting thing about being in professional organized hockey and being a Stingrays fan and being a Bears fan is you can keep an eye on these guys and some of them come in and work out and others never come to fruition. But uh, there's always an eye on the future of, hey, might we get this guy or might we see that guy? And you know, yeah, sometimes even guys come up here and get a cup of coffee like a Dylan Stamen um, that they liked enough in the organization that 
you know, he wasn't able to be a full-time player or an American league contract up here, but you know, they had some eyes on him and have him in the organization in South Carolina and depth if needed to have around. That's, that's an exciting thing. We've seen, we pulled Joey Leach up last year and Andrew Chernichin last year and just that overall depth uh, and always thinking of what might be next is a good thing to have. Absolutely. Well, uh, Zach, I, I got to ask you, of course, about some of the guys who are up in Hershey now who Stingrays fans kind of grew to love a little bit earlier this season. Uh, I've been asked many, many times, when are we going to see Eddie Whitco? When are we going to see Matthew Weiss? Uh, it's, those guys have been you know, good players in Charleston, but especially for Eddie Whitco, it seems like he's really found himself a home in Hershey and he's done a lot of really good things with you guys. Yeah, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for Stingrays fans, but I'm hoping my answer to the question, I hope they don't see Eddie Whitco again this year because he's played very well. Um, now, Martin Fervari was just called up and just sent back down. It sounds like there's a possibility that he might even get more looks. A, a really good rookie defenseman here in Hershey with Washington, depending on how things go. That's not guaranteed, but you know that could give Whitco a, a chance maybe to jump back in because he's been out for a little bit now. I think it's four or five games in a row. He's been scratched, but he's played well enough to get in. Uh, he's got a two-game goal streak. He's got a three-game point streak at the time we recorded this, uh, even though it had been a couple games that he had been out of the lineup. But to me, he skates well for a big man. He's an American League defenseman in my eyes, shoots the puck hard, has added some offense, and is really tough to play against. And when the Bears signed him, and I knew he was probably going to be in the ECHL just the way the depth chart was looking out, I remembered him in Springfield. And Springfield did not have a great club in those first couple years of the Thunderbirds, but he was really tough to play against. I said that to him. I said, I heard you're the nicest guy in the world, but I'll tell you, you were a tough SOB to play against and played real hard. And that's a compliment to his game. So uh, Whitco has been really good. Uh, I, I hope he's up here the rest of the year. It might be a situation where he needs to go and play games, but we'll definitely see what shakes out there. Uh, Matt Weiss hasn't played a ton. Um, they wanted to shake up the bottom six a little bit and give him another look after playing a few games out of necessity here in November. He's been on the outside looking in. Seems like Chris McCarthy has a little bit of an edge on him right now. The former Reading Royal who was up with us late last year and got an AHL deal. Uh, but it's just an injury away or a call up away from getting back into the line. I think he's been solid, but um, I guess we don't need necessarily our third or fourth line center to do anything to to stand out. But he's good on face-offs and skates well. And that's what's been most noticeable about him so far. A good 200 foot player that really specializes in the defensive zone. So nice to have it. And it's really great to see that the Capitals and Bears have stocked the Stingrays with depth. And if we had another injured defenseman, I know there's been some injuries, but last year we were looking around and in the forwards, we, we brought up Cherney in the playoffs and we brought in Dylan Stamen and we, we had to make some moves. We didn't have that depth, but we haven't seen Cole Yuli play a game up here yet. And we know he's capable of doing that at this level. Um, and he's just one of the guys we had to scratch and claw to get in, but I think we had a team that was certainly capable of getting there. But you know, I think the Stingrays got to be one of the Kelly cup favorites at the two thirds mark of the season. Um, the bears are near the top of the American hockey league and the cops have Alex Ovechkin and they're cream of the crop. So it's a real exciting time. It's a great affiliation. Um, you know, I hope the bears and capitals and Stingrays keep this affiliation going for quite some time because the Stingrays have benefited from it. The Bears always benefit from it. And then the Caps right now have a great window to continue winning. I think have done a good job to build themselves for the future. For you personally, what's it been like with this Capitals organization? It seems like you've gotten an opportunity to really experience a lot in Hershey and in Washington, getting a chance to, to call a couple games in the summers, doing some of the development camps and some of those looking at prospects that might be in, in Hershey or in Washington. What's it been like for you to be with this organization now for so long? It, it seems like they're so first class in every part of the organization. 
Yeah, Shaf, as you go up the ladder, you know it. Like There are more and more opportunities and more and more eyes, and there's more scouts, more caps management, uh, more opportunities. We're closer geographically. We can get there. We'll go up to Washington a few times a year. Um, but the affiliation, the, the agreement really with me and, and this partnership that I have with the Capitals really started in South Carolina, and that's a testament you know, to Jason Fitzsimmons, who works in the player development department, at least minor league operations, I should say, you know, and is in Charleston quite a bit. And that relationship was so good with the Stingrays that I got some looks and sniffs, I guess, as far as just meeting people then, like Jason Fitzsimmons, like a few of the scouts. Um, and I reached out to John Walton, who's the great Capitals broadcaster previously here in Hershey, and he gave me the time of the day because he had been in Charleston when the Rays went to the Cup Finals in 2015 to 2016 that year prior to me coming in or 2014, 15, beg your pardon uh, to the mere year prior to me coming in. And it just, it was something special. And now getting to be here, we see guys that are a phone call away from being NHL regulars and NHL stars getting to work with a guy like Jacob Verona, who is a young kid, just kind of learning what it took to be a pro on and off the ice and see him become a perennial 30 goal scorer is what he's going to be in my mind is awesome. And to see guys go up and lift the cup like they did is really cool also. So it's been, I've been blessed to get to do my first NHL game in 2018 against Tampa Bay and Washington filling in for John Walton when he was at the Olympics to dream come true. You know, if I die tomorrow, I can always say that I did one. I made it to the NHL would love to get there full time, but in no hurry because Hershey's such an unbelievable spot and it takes a long time and there's only so few jobs available. I'm never going to complain about what I have going here. This is home to me now. I, you know, I have a family here. I have my first son and Hershey's been unbelievable to me, but Washington has been great to work with. Getting to do some rookie tournaments, getting to do development camp and all that, see the next wave. There's a good relationship that we have that goes well beyond me. Uh, that's really something special. And and getting to be around this team that so many of our alumni are there for, that's the coolest part for me is going to Washington and getting to catch up with, you know, I guess Travis Boyd or when Phoenix Copley and Christian Juice and Chandler Stevenson were there. Some of the guys that I got to know super well, Jacob Verona and others, that's the coolest part because you see them now they made it. They're living their dream. They're trying so hard and they're in Hershey and you're prepping them to get there and working with them with media stuff. And they made it and you couldn't be happier for them. For you personally, what are some of the things that you got to do when you're here in Charleston? What do you reflect on when you follow the Stingrays, watch a couple games here and there, kind of keep track of who's playing well for the Stingrays? What are some of the things that come to mind? What are some of your uh, best experiences when you were in Charleston for the year that you were here? Yeah, for me, and I'll just I'll try to keep a couple stories I have as brief as possible. But because I'm long winded, we're broadcasters. You know, this could be a two hour podcast here with Shaf and I on it. We're both we're both talkative guys and we're friends. <laughs> and for people that don't know, Shaf and I go back to him coming in South Carolina. He he and I worked together in the USHL, United States Hockey League. He was in Tri City and Kearney, Nebraska, and I was in Dubuque, Iowa. And if you know where either of those are on a map, props to you. They're about as far away from Charleston and about as different from Charleston as you can get. But you know, when I knew I was leaving the Stingrays, Shaf was one of the first calls I made, and I'm. Really Really thrilled that he's there and Stingrays fans are lucky to have him as the voice of their games. Uh, no doubt about it. I'm not just blowing smoke there, Shaf. Like uh, we have a good friendship and you, you I appreciate I, it. What I, what I, what I knew in helping get you in there and I'm glad Robbie hired you was that you're going to first class organization. That's why I think about to the Stingrays is that it is a first class organization. That is one of the teams that the elite groups in the pro hockey ranks and in the ECHL, and I interviewed with a lot of teams in that summer. There was a lot of movement in the summer of 2015, 
and I, I was offered a job with the Evansville Iceman. And we all know the Evansville Iceman have gone kaput and they're now in Jacksonville and took a year off. And I'm glad I didn't take it because there was just something to miss. And sure enough, they folded or went dark the next year. Um, and then I interviewed with Atlanta. Thank God I didn't get Atlanta. I don't want any part of that organization. <laughs> I hated them when I was there. It's nothing personal. It's just our rival. We had some really spirited games. So I grew to dislike Atlanta quite a bit because of that. It's a rivalry. You're supposed to. And I also interviewed with Orlando, and I was like 95% confident I was going to get that job. And Jesse Liebman, who's a really good broadcaster that's there, a pro's pro, uh, he jumped in last minute and wound up getting the job. And I thought, all right, well, this isn't the summer for me to move. And then out of the blue, I got an email from Rob Kincannon. Uh, Orlando had recommended me to him when Joey Z moved up to the American League. And, you know, I was hired within a couple of days. The conversations with Rob felt so right. I've heard unbelievable things about Charleston. So I love my year there. We had a great team. We should have won the Kelly Cup. Uh, we got jobbed, in my opinion, in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, playing Wheeling. I'm sure Rays fans, their diehards know it well. Overtime, game six at home. A uh, shot from Bobby Shea from the corner came to David Pecan in front and it was underneath the goalie's pad and the goalie's pad was four inches over the goal line. His whole pad was in the net. The puck was underneath it. And Pierre Lambert, who's done NHL games, was the referee. I mean, he couldn't see it. It was under the goalie's pad and there was no overhead replay at the time that would have shown that puck clearly in. So the game continued. We lost game six and we lost game seven. And I, I really think we would have won the Kelly Cup that year had we got to the finals. I loved our team. We were starting to get some guys back and healthy. I thought we had an unbelievable group. But Trevor Gillies in that room was great to work with. I still keep in touch with, you know, VTech was one of our goalies and Mark Dekanich, who I've kept in touch with. And Stefan Vigier was such a good player. We were a dominant team. And the fans were great. And the city was gorgeous. I wish I was there more than a year for the city's perspective. Um, working in the ECHL and being as vested in getting there as late as I was, I didn't get to necessarily experience all the touristy stuff that you want to do in, in Charleston that folks there take for granted because it's their home. So I can't wait to come back and visit. I haven't been back, unfortunately, since I left. And I plan to change that here this summer. I hope we're playing until June, but I, I plan to change it this summer. But I just want to tell a story of my first day. I think Stingrays fans will appreciate this. So I'm so excited. I pick up my life. My, my wife's from Iowa where I was working. So we moved down there. And I go in for my first day in the office. And it was a Tuesday after uh, Monday holiday and I get there in the office and it's nine o'clock and I show up and everyone's already there. And I'm like, am I late? So I meet with Robbie or go in Rob Kincannon's office. I meet with carbs and uh, just get settled at my desk. I'm at my desk for no more than an, an hour getting everything set up. And I get, Hey, we're, uh, we're going to somebody's house. We're going to throw some stuff out. And I think, Oh, that's awesome. We're like doing a surprise and delight going to a season ticket holder's house maybe a neighborhood and we're going to throw out t-shirts and do some giveaways and our mascots coming or something. Uh, this is really cool. Like we're in the community. We're active. That's, that's exceptional. So I hop in a car with one of the coworkers that I meet and I come to find out we're going to somebody named Miss Eleanor's house. I don't know Miss Eleanor at the point. Now, obviously Stingray's fans know her well and, and may she rest in peace. I know her very well as well and got to know her and love her. And she was the sweetest person ever in my time there. We roll up to Miss Eleanor's house and I'm trying to make a good first impression, right? I'm in like a full suit day one, full suit, just 97 degrees in Charleston that day, hot <laughs> as hell, like it always is. Uh, I, that's one thing that I do not miss about Charleston. Two things. I-26 traffic. I was in Somerville. No thanks. And then how hot it was on some of those summer days was definitely a difference. So I'm in a full suit. 
And we go there and come to find out, like, she's moving to, to a home at that point. We're straight up cleaning her house up. So at 97 degrees, I take the suit jacket off and I dive in and I get assigned by the people that were there helping, which were some other season ticket holders and her friends to uh, go and clean out the shed. So it's myself, Kyle Huckabee, who's obviously still at the Stingrays, awesome guy. Everyone knows him well. And, and the late Bob McCaffrey, may he rest in peace as well. The three of us cleaning out a shed and somehow there was a hole in this shed and animals had got in and they had just gone to the bathroom all over everything in this shed. So we're cleaning out <laughs> all sorts of stuff, just caked in feces. And I'm going, oh, this is a great first day here. So we're cleaning this out. I'm sweating. I'm soaked. Like, I just ran a marathon soaked out there. I probably looked like an idiot. Some of the girls that were new in the office were in heels. And, you know, Robbie knew we were going and doing this. And, and Kooks is one of my favorite people ever. So he had chained into a Patriot shirt and basketball shorts and is in the mix moving things around. And here I am in a full suit throwing stuff away. But it's my first day, so I'm not going to complain about it. We get everything done. We come back. Rob was great enough to buy us uh, buy us food. But, like, I need a change of clothes by that point. And I remember my mom or, and my wife both texted me like, Hey, how's day one? I'm like, well, I just cleaned out this old lady's house. Like, uh, <laughs> I didn't know this was in other duties as assigned. And then next thing you know, um, they took me over to the arena, Graham Jenkins, who works here with me and her, she is the game ops guy in South Carolina to tour the arena. And the Graham was too new. He didn't know how to get the lights on. So we're walking around and again, I'm just soaked. <laughs> so the, the cold arena feels great. We're walking around and little do I know there's like no tape on the stairs. He takes me up to the press box. I just trip on a stair and just bite it. And down I go. Graham looks back and it's dark. So he can't see me. He's like, did you fall? Are you all right? Ripped a huge ass hole in my dress pants right in the knee. Um, brand new, just bought them the night before. Again, want to make a good first impression, new suit, rip a huge hole in there. So I come home caked in sweat, <laughs> hole in the dress pants. How's day one, honey? Well, welcome to Charleston. It's going to be a little bit different experience, but, uh, man, did I love my time there? I had a blast. Um, my wife and I look back really fondly on it. The people were really good to us. You know, they say everything's a little slower in the South and it was in the best way possible. Um, I just wish we had a little bit more time to enjoy it. So we're going to get back there, taking all the sites that we didn't have a chance to do. Um, it'd be great if we could get to a Stingrays game. Obviously, with our schedules overlapping as they do, it'd be difficult. But Charleston always hold a special place in my part in my heart, as did the organization. And Rob Cannon and the Zucker family were really good to me. And it, it didn't feel like I was just there a year. Um, it feels like it was such a bigger piece of my life. So it was it was quick, but it was a really special time. Well, Zach, we appreciate the stories. That is, uh, I've heard, I've heard the stories, a few of them, but it's always great to uh, to reminisce. And did did Rick Covard tell you the pizza story? I'm sure he has. I That's think the only Rick's story told me. That guy has. <laughs> Rick, I think Rick's told me the pizza story maybe seven to eight times at least. Do I, we have time for? I'll keep it brief. Do we have time for the course, pizza story? Let's humiliate course. me a little bit more. So Rick <laughs> Covard, the great trainer of the Stingrays. Is uh is my road roommate for most of that year. John Lofton, our old equipment manager, was as well. But I had Rick quite a bit. And don't let Rick fool you. The kid snores like a freaking Mack truck. Like, <laughs> come on now. He snores big time. But other than that, he was a good roommate. He liked his New York style pizza shops. He liked the sandwich shops. You know, our coaches always gave him a hard time for having brutal taste in food. But we're in Norfolk, <laughs> which was one of my favorite cities in the league, and we're walking back. And we stopped at this really good pizza place. I don't remember the name of it. And we get a nice New York style pie in Norfolk and we're walking back and right over by the hotel that we stayed in there 
Um, there's a bunch of trees on the left and on the right before there's a big shopping area that they've renovated. Now it's all new since I've been there, but I'm walking, I'm not paying attention. And that day I had got a new pair of dress shoes and I bought about a half size too big. And I tripped with Rick leaving the arena on the toe of the dress shoe and almost face planted into a beer stand, leaving the arena in Norfolk. And Rick's looking at me like you're drunk already, man. I'm like, no, no, these shoes suck, whatever. So we're walking back. I got a big pizza that he and I are going to split. We just won the game in Norfolk. And sure enough, I'm not paying attention, looking at my phone or something. And the big old toe of this shoe catches a tree root. And too much shoe, tree root, not paying attention. Good night. Down I go. Three of our players are walking in front of us. So I make a fool in front of three of our guys. I fly through the air for it feels like 10 seconds and down I go. And all the boys are going, oh, my God, you're all right. And there's Rick over there. Oh, my God, is the pizza okay? <laughs> the pizza fell out of my hands. The pizza was fine and it was delicious. But uh, that's Rick's favorite story. So anyone that he meets that knows me, he likes to tell him he needs some new new material. I'll have to figure <laughs> out what shop stories he has to, to get some dirt on you. But uh so many good people like him uh, down there um, in the game of hockey and are still part of the organization. And, you know, we had uh, Travis Rogers who's a super fan and does some writing and blogging. He came up here for Hershey a couple of times. It's just great to catch up with everybody in Charleston. Like I said, it was only a year, but it was a really special part of, uh, of my career and my life that, you know, I can't wait to get back and visit. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we would definitely have you back anytime. We'd love to get you back on a broadcast uh, I know that it was a long time ago we did a couple games together and we got to do a little bit of a game last year in Hershey but would love to uh to get you back down here so if you can make it to a game of course we'd love to have you um but you know maybe it'll be a good thing if you can't make it to a game maybe the Bears will be still playing for a while uh this spring which would be good yeah I hope we're both playing till June the Rays have a good club enjoy the ride this year fans enjoy having Jeff hopefully calling some big moments and you know, I always, I always told the people in Charleston, whether I was selling tickets or just talking to people, you know, the Stingrays are, are a true, not a hidden gem. People know about them, but they're a gem that more and more people should know about and be there for. And North Charleston and the Low Country is really lucky to have an organization that's been there since 1993 that puts so much into the community. And um, when the crowds get really big, especially come playoff times, that building rocks. I loved the Coliseum and how loud it got when we had five, 6,000 people in there. So I think the organization has done a lot of really awesome things, the new ownership and, um, you know, still keep in touch with Kyle Huckabee and Zach Myers and yourself and Rob and in the office and things look really good in Charleston. It's a great affiliation that we're proud to be a part of. Well, Zach, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, we, this is great. We are definitely going to have you on another podcast. And like I said, hopefully it's, it's because the Bears are playing well, and we're going to need an update on some of the guys up there and, and how they're doing, and we uh, we wish you guys the best, and we appreciate a few minutes of your time here. Yeah, it's never a few minutes with you and I. This is probably <laughs> going to be your longest podcast, but Shaf, a pleasure. All the best to everyone in the low country, and thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Zach. Great to catch up with him, and we appreciate him joining us. Like I said, hopefully try to have him on again at some point in the future. As we look at the week ahead, the South Carolina Stingrays will head down to Orlando for two games against the Solar Bears coming up this week on Thursday and Friday. Then a day off Saturday to recover from the travel time. And they will have a home game on Sunday against the Jacksonville Icemen. 
Looking forward to Sunday's game. It is Kids Takeover Day. We're going to have some special things for you on the broadcast. I'm going to be joined by Cole Dean, who is our kid caster for the game, but also planning to have Jason Fitzsimmons join us of the Washington Capitals as our guest color commentator. Been rotating through some Sunday color commentators, and we asked Fitzy. He agreed. We just had to get things to work out with his schedule. It looks like it's going to happen, so I'm really excited to have him back on the broadcast. The last time he was with me doing color was on the road in Jacksonville a few years ago, and things got heated, so it's going to be another good game with Jacksonville. They've been faced with some suspensions, so uh, maybe a little bit of a different look to the Jacksonville team than what we've seen after they had a bit of an incident with the Fort Wayne Comets last week in one of their home games. But overall for the Stingrays, when you look at the way things have been going, yes, it's great, but last week definitely a step in the wrong direction. Coach Steve Bergen and assistant coach Ryan Blair are working hard to try to get the team back in the right direction. There's a couple games here in Orlando and then at home against Jacksonville this week. The Stingrays will then have a game on the road in Norfolk next week, and they will come back home for games on February 14th and 15th against Adirondack and Greenville. So a lot of hockey still to be played. Yes, we know that the games last week were not the team's best, but they are hoping to right the ship this week, turn things around, and keep hold of their first place position in the South Division. Thanks again for listening to the Pucktown Podcast. More coming at you soon. Enjoy the games this week.